Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seat. The show is about to start. Hey guys, what's up? This is Phoebe. This is Mike. This is episode 33 of the Mike and Phoebe show. So now uh, we have a live in-studio guest. This is Katie Keys. Katie is the president of the Paris Valley Historical Museum here. Hi, Katie. Hi, Phoebe and Mike. How are you? Well, I'm good. Thank you so much for coming in studio today to talk to us. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So now tell me in the beginning, why was Paris called the San Jacinto Plains? Well, in the beginning, of course, there was no Paris. And when people, you know, the settlers started coming, you know, the San Jacinto River runs through Paris. Right. And, you know, it runs through Nuevo Lakeview, you know, clear to around San Jacinto. It's over by the Saboba Indian Reservation. Actually, it comes that way and comes around. And, uh, you know, they just knew the river was there. And... The Native Americans came and used to use the land to feed their sheep and cattle and stuff. Yes. The Louis Indians. And uh, so it was just called the San Jacinto Plains because it was pretty barren, actually. There was hardly any trees or anything. It was just mainly, you know, grass and whatever it was, was growing all, at the time. Yeah, it was all farmland at the time, wasn't it? Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, it began to be farmland when the settlers came. Yeah. And it was yeah. Like, Way back in the... But it was just because of the river, actually. And it still, you know, runs through here, mm-hmm. especially when you have a lot of rain. Yeah. Yes. Sure does. Yeah. 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 And, you know, um, I'm not from Paris originally. I just came, started coming around. Uh, this was in 2005 when Mike and I uh, started dating. So. Yeah. I always thought, you know, Paris, that's an interesting name, interesting spelling. And it's not like Paris, France, but it's Paris, P-E-R-R-I-S. So, um, and that's actually someone's last name, Fred Paris, right? Yes. So you want to tell me um, how did the city of Paris get their name? Okay, the city of Paris got their name because Fred Paris, who was the chief engineer of the California Southern Railway, which was part of the Santa Fe Railroad, was, you know, going along doing the surveying he was a surveyor and he laid out several places in fact he did survey Temecula someone else actually surveyed Paris you know the fathers the beginning fathers in Paris you know that were farmers and whatnot uh, they wanted a railway depot you know in downtown and at first they had put it in a place called Pinacotti which was about a mile and a half south of Paris, where Paris is now. And it's where the Southern California Railroad is right now, actually, that's built on that land. And in the beginning, they had about 400 people living in the Pinacotti area. And they had a boxcar just as their depot. Wow. And so they had a lot of land disputes in Pinacotti. And so the people up north, you know, north of Paris, mm-hmm. you know, contacted the railroad and asked them if they could build a railroad in you know, a depot in Paris. And lo and behold, Fred Paris showed up and got the job done. And, you know, there was businessmen from San Bernardino involved, you know, and uh, 
his son-in-law, Benjamin Franklin Levitt, who had worked with him in his survey crew when he was a young man, had married one of his daughters, and he was an architect at the time. Oh. And he designed the Paris Depot, which is just beautiful Victorian depot. Wow. So it's a real treasure for Paris. So the town and this Mr. Mack, who is from San Bernardino, and the railroad, they kind of got together and said, we're naming the town Paris after Mr. Paris, because he did that beautiful depot for us. And that's how Paris got its name. And do you remember off the top of your head what year that was? It was like 1800, maybe? Yeah. Well, the depot was built in 1892. So it had to have been started, uh, had to have been started, you know, in the 1880s. In the 1880s. Yeah, the wow. town of Paris was actually mapped out in and as a township in uh, 1886 oh a township i mm -hmm. see i remember hearing about the word township before mm -hmm. uh, we won't like get into like the meaning of township that's <laughs> kind of digressing yeah, but it but was this... surveyed at that time and was known as like a township and it didn't become an incorporated city until 1911 yes yeah that was a hundred and what 13 112 years. Yeah, 100, from, yeah. Yeah, because it's 2023 now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was 112 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. yeah, Paris had a big centennial celebration in in 2011. Yeah. Our museum did a huge display form out at the fairgrounds. Talking about the museum, uh, we've done quite a few tours there at the uh, museum there. I really enjoy seeing the history and the artifacts, too. Yes all the different um, things that was used back then. It's one thing to see it in the books, you know, like you brought in your books. It's one thing now to see it online, you know, everything's online, but you don't get to uh, feel the history and the energy. Yeah. I mean, you can't touch the artifacts, but just to be in that same room, you feel all the energy and the history behind all the artifacts, the importance behind that. Mm -hmm. I find that amazing. It's really quite interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, we really kind of start with the earliest part of the Paris Valley, which was, of course, the, the Native Americans. Mm -hmm, right. And, of course, they had several sites around and they left a lot of things behind mm -hmm. because they're, you know, they like to have their little village by like a water source, yes. you know, like a little river or spring or whatever. We have a lot of springs that kind of come down off the hills. And mm -hmm. We have some beautiful Native American sites in Paris, actually. Yeah. It's important to recognize our past right. because it is all about what is Paris about. You know, there's so much history behind that. So it's definitely important to recognize that and to bring um, to the, the culture nowadays, bring history back right. to life. Yes. And they come a long ways with that, uh, you know, the museum there, too. They've oh, come yeah. a long ways because back in the early 90s, it wasn't as good as what it is now. You know, we I, I do give credit to the people that started the museum because mm. they did collect and preserve a lot of history of the old timers and that mm. days and pioneer families. And, you know, if they hadn't have done that, we wouldn't have some of the things we have now. Right. Sure. And actually there was kind of a turn of events and I can go into that later when mm -hmm. we talk about the museum. Yeah. Kind of turned it around, but you know, they didn't have a lot of money or anything and they put up what they could do. And, uh, you know, it looked kind of more like a, kind of like a secondhand store, mm -hmm. you know, originally. And I think Mike would agree since he's oh, not, yeah. you know, just oh, yeah. a, oh, yeah. like a little section here and there just kind of cluttered up, but mm. you know, we redid it. 
totally. It was yeah. got to give uh, some exhibits uh, yeah. for at the time that people were, you know, coming uh, during the rail fest times. Yeah. Just for uh, them to see what, you know, what was actually at the depot yeah. at the time. Because yeah. they try to replicate what was, you know, back in the, what, 30s, 40s, even probably well, even probably, 50s. Or even, yeah, you know, early 1900s. Yeah. I mean, they did have this biplane that was, you know, in the middle of the museum that Walter Williams actually built and flew it around Paris. Oh! <laughs> you know, like in the 30s and stuff, so. Yeah. You know, and that's an interesting thing. Um, I'm glad Mike brought it up, you know, since I'm not originally from Paris, I don't know all the history. So when I hear history like that's very interesting to me so you know there's there's two different names that you guys basically sort of use or it's it's kind of used around paris depot and then paris valley historical museum so you want to explain what the difference is so everyone else knows you know what it's about actually our actual name is the paris valley historical and museum association that's our real legal name but we also have a DBA as Paris Valley Historical Museum. Mm-hmm. And actually, the depot kind of started when we started having the art walk. And, you know, pe- most people in Paris, I'm hoping most people in Paris know about our depot. Yes. There's still a lot that don't. And so it was just, we started something called Depot After Dark. Mm-hmm. And then Greg Akery, who helps us a lot at the museum, and he's very good at organizing events and he started the you know the art walk and he has music every the last Friday of every month and we always have a good crowd Mm -hmm. and Paris loves us for it yes yes yeah Yeah, we've attended um, a few of the events and it's so it's so nice and it's good to feature um, indie artists local artists you know that's what we strive for um, but we're not uh, about doing live you know so unfortunately we can't do live right now but uh, in person live events but um, what Greg is doing is amazing and he's putting the word out and he's so good doing it on social media too so again kudos to that yeah and growing up I've always I've always known uh, the museum here or the depot as the depot and or uh, the annex depot Mm. that's what I've always known it and that's what it's always been told to me from when I was a real little kid about five years old yeah, that depot actually was one of the busiest depots around. Yes. Yes, it yes. really was. And when I get into the railroad history. I'll tell yeah. You. Yeah. And talking about that. So going back, we're going to go back. Um, so we kind of went into the present day about the Paris Depot, the Art Walk. How about going back in time? Who were the earlier settlers? Yeah, the earliest settlers, probably the Trujillos, who actually is kind of a legend that they discovered the Good Hope Mine. Oh. And, uh, you you know, we have some pictures of the Trujillo family and Doroteo Trujillo was actually the father. And then his son, Dario, was, we have a picture of him holding like a big, huge rock, which is, um, is, is quartz. Oh, That's what the, okay. the, the gold was inside the quartz, like in veins. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he was holding this rock, and uh, that's a precious picture. And you wow. know, they had this stamp mill that used to crush the ore, and then they get the gold out of it. Yeah. Wow. But you know, so the those were very early. The Barnasconis that actually built the Southern Hotel. Oh, that was very early. They came. Uh, there's a whole great story about the Barnasconi family. But anyway, they had the Lakeview Hot Springs. Oh, out in Lakeview, right off the Ramon Expressway, like across the street from the Lake Paris. 
Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. I remember. Yeah. That was in the 1800s. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I 1880s. Seeing, I remember seeing pictures of that. I, I think it was Mrs. Bernasconi because she wanted her kids to come in to spare. She was an amazing woman and she was the governess, the governess for one of the people up in San Francisco that was, mm. you know, a very high political person. Oh. And they were Swiss immigrants, her and her husband both. And Mr. Bernasconi actually went up and met her up in San Francisco. Wow. And then brought her down here after they got married to this little shack that she refused to live in. <laughs> <laughs> I, live in <laughs> I mean, she actually cried. She did a story about it, and I think we have it on one of our board in the Bernus the Bernasconi you know exhibit up there yeah. at the museum. Uh, yeah. But wow, yeah, it's interesting. And is it, she that, raised a wonderful family. That's the reason why it's called uh, Bernasconi Road, uh, going right. to uh, yeah. the yeah. That's, wow, yeah, because it's all in that little area right there. Yeah, they ah, actually had like wow. a hot spring where people would come like little cement. I used to call them like the cement ponds. Or something. <laughs> it was a little cement, you know, thing that they could get in with the hot water and stuff. Yeah. Wow. It was a health spa in Paris, you know, in the 1800s, yeah. late 1800s, That's early a, that 1900s. Was a natural hot spring. Though. Yes, it was a wow. natural hot spring. Wow. I love hearing the stories of how uh, what the street names, what what we know now, the street names, you know, Bersconi, then there's uh, Good Hope Right, you said Good Hope. Well, they kind of named that after the mine. I think, oh, the, the mine, yes. Mine, but, yeah. But actually, besides the Trujillos and the Bernasconis, you know, there were um, the Mapes family. Yeah, and we have Mapes Road. Yes, yes Mapes Road. Yep. Yeah, yep. and we had the Hook family, who had yep. really built up the town with a lot of businesses for a hundred years. Yeah, and uh, you know, we had uh, the Aiken family, which mm. I was very close with. One of the daughters, the youngest daughter, she outlived her whole family, and wow. yeah. My sisters and I took care of her when oh, she got wow. older, and I was actually with her when she died at Sun City Gardens at oh, 99. Wow. Yeah. Oh, 99. Wow. And her, her dad Ooh. actually had the very first library. Henry Aiken had the very first library in the Riverside County. Oh, wow. In, in Paris. Wow. I, I remember that little library that they well, had here. Yeah, but it wasn't <laughs> that library, but he, he was, uh, he worked in the mines too, and he got hurt, but they came out originally, the Aiken came out and settled on the corner of Newport Road and Murrieta Road. Oh. You know, at that time, you could get a section of land, and mm. I believe they had 160 acres, mm. which oh. was like a quarter section. Mm. But, you know, they tried farming and stuff, and they really had, you know, because they always relied on Mother Nature, if they didn't get the rain, their crop yeah. would fail. But right. he had, you know, a couple of years, I think they didn't do too well, and he ended up working at the mine, and then he got hurt, and then they came into Paris and built a house right on 4th Street. Wow, yeah. right over here. Yeah, 4th yeah, Street. Yeah, right where the high school is. The high school building. Yeah. The district building. Yeah. Right oh, okay, right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. right there. Dang. So yeah. now, talking about the early settlers, what did they do for a living? You okay. you talked a lot about the different families, the uh, founding families. Yeah, I mean, there, me? there was a lot more. I mean, there was the Mr. Nance who actually was came to Paris because of his health. Mm. A lot of people came to this valley because of their health. You know, they were from the mid, kind of Midwest, well, kind of the Iowa, you know, the, mm. that area. And they came out because 
they had asthma or something and they would come out to a drier climate. Mm. And Mr. Nance was one of those people and he actually prospered as a farmer. And then he decided, you know, he helped the town grow and he was part of the first um, Paris Valley Bank. Mm, And he also owned owned an interest in the brick factory, Mm. which was amazing because when they got water from the Big Bear, you know, reservoir Mm -hmm. project that was built in those days and that was about 1890 Mm. you know the Paris Brick Company sold them one million bricks to build that wow wow So you can, we have a picture of the workers there and you can see there's bricks all over the place. Wow. <laughs> and that was really on the corner of like Second Street in Paris Boulevard. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Yeah. I think the cement plants there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. And then, you know, we had the, and then Mr. Nance also built a beautiful building right in front of the depot. Okay. It's still there, but it was a beautiful building and it had all kinds of stores in it and mm. even the post office and. It actually burnt down. He built it in 1895 and it burnt down in, in 1905. Wow. And wow. after that, they used it kind of as a warehouse for grain and stuff because the depot was right there and they could ship their grain out. Oh, right over there. Yeah. Yeah, nice. And we had, you know, the the Beatties, which Frank Beatty was quite a man and he worked at the Good Hope Mine. He was almost like an engineer. He could do anything and he would find water, dig wells. You know, I have pictures of him at the Good Hope Mine. I have pictures of him with a huge hay baler, a steam hay baler that is like, had a crew of about 10 people just trying to bale hay in those days. Yeah, so, I mean, they were a big part and, you know, later, you know, the Evans family came in the 1880s. The Mora family actually came in 1908 and they had eight children. So, we had a huge population of Moras and they were wonderful people. I knew lots of them, even when school with several. And we had the Martin family, which it was Martin Road until it turned into the Ramon Expressway. Oh, I knew the Martin family. And then the Caduras family and the Mott's, you know, came in and farmed. And mostly they started out with sheep. Oh, and they were turned into farmers and bought up land and were very instrumental in the farming, had a lot of crops. And then we had the Woodward. They had like a little farm out towards Good Hope and they were instrumental in in having a big well in Paris when they finally found water because good the Big Bear water kind of faded out because mm. they had too many people in front of them like Redland Citrus and into Merino Valley and then by the time it got Paris it only came to Paris maybe for two or three years so wow too many people tap into it yeah they yeah. want their water yeah. and yep. so you know luckily we had a lot of artesian wells under the ground they didn't know but then the you know, the mechanical age came and they were able to do pumps and stuff up and mm-hmm. found all this water so we had an abundant source of water so anyway you know so it really was you know farming which was a lot of dry farming and when they were getting the water from the big bear dam they actually had a lot of fruit trees out in north paris area and when the water ran out a lot of those people had beautiful victorian houses they moved them to riverside oh. and some of them are still in riverside yeah and down like downtown area mm-hmm. right yeah yes. i love those houses yeah those are so beautiful so yeah. Can you imagine moving one of those houses <laughs> yeah. even back then? Well, they would use like horses, you know, put oh. it 
you know, I, I've seen pictures of it. So it's pretty interesting, you know, but, oh. you know, they thought they weren't ever going to have any water, you know, if they would have just waited. Yeah. You could have waited it out and gotten the water from underneath the ground. It would have been successful for sure them. Would have been. Wow. wow. Yeah. So anyway, we're working on a farming exhibit for the rods and rails because we usually, we had potato families for a long time, which that was a huge crop in Paris, like in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, you know, they, before that, you know, they had grain. And when they found water, they had alfalfa because alfalfa mm-hmm. needs a lot of water. Mm-hmm. And they had beautiful alfalfa cr- crops and they had alfalfa festival. And I'll show you some pictures of that. But anyway, yeah. that's mostly what they did. You know, the, in the beginning, they had miners, they had, you know, farming. And then, you know, people did build up things in the town where they had stores like the family and the Mapes family. And even Mr. Mapes was even the mailman. He used to take a horse. Oh. And ride all around delivering the mail. Wow. We, have, we, have his, we have his saddle in the, in the museum. Mr. Wow. Mapes. And one of the old sorting, you know, board, uh, tables. Yeah, stuff. yeah. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Yeah, they used to, I, I believe uh, you guys still have that in there, too, for the, the telegrams, when the telegrams used to come yeah, in. the teletype, or I mean the Morse code. Morse code. Yeah, the yes, Morse code, yes. yeah. Yeah, we so, have the Morse code machine. Oh, yeah, because yeah. uh, did they actually uh, do a lot of uh, messaging that way? I, I think they did, yeah. You know, and then. And I mean, the kids, when they come in, they're so fascinated with it. They want, we let them hit the buttons yeah, and everything. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, we do have interesting things in there they can do. (laughs) You know, isn't it amazing how technology guides us through, you know, you think Morse code, the machines is um, just for back then sending SOS. That's, I think, what um, Young People's Society would know that for SOS. But it's really to communicate across, you know, the land like that. And then it comes to the telephone, wires, technology, and then now cell phone, landlines, then cell phones, wireless. And then now, you know, instead of using a little machine, tapping machine, we got the cell phone. Now we can communicate. Mm-hmm. But it's important that kids know the history. Yeah. And they just love co- it. Yeah. They really do. They're fascinated by it. Yeah. So I think our museum does a lot of teaching, yes. you know, the history. And they, we have an old scale inside the depot that was original where they would, you know, maybe weigh the sacks that would be going on the train or coming back on the train. And each little, there's a few little spots that they didn't cover up when they restored the depot of the names of the people that would receive shipments. And so they would place their um, products there and they would come and pick them up. Wow. Yeah, yeah and that telegram was the instant messaging back then. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we should liken it to, to the kids yeah, the when they're hearing, messaging. oh, that's what they talk yeah. about. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's, it was probably faster than snail mail. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, you yeah. just have to yeah. listen. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, the communication really wasn't very good. <laughs> No. And, uh, now everything's in- instantaneous, you yeah. know, and, you know, we think, to hurry de- up and answer me. And, to decipher de- what's coming in, too. That was, because yeah. it's all just beeps. Yeah. And if yeah. You, the beeps cut out or something, right. you could be saying one word or you mean this letter, A, but then, oh, it cut out. So you think it's like E or F or something. And 
<laughs> the message doesn't come through. But everybody else that's all in the area could actually hear that message coming through too. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Is that how that works, or is that if if they're on the frequency? Yeah, frequency. Yes. So yeah. I don't know that too yeah. many probably heard in those days. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. I know when the telephones came in, I people used to listen on people's yeah. party lines. Oh, yeah, sure do, yeah. <laughs> the lines get crossed and <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah, the I operator mean, messes kids up. Kids don't even realize. Oh, you had a party. Yes, yeah, party. More people on it. That's right. <laughs> Oh, somebody's on the line. You can't use the phone. <laughs> I remember that back Dang. in the days. That's Never. early, early. Yeah. <laughs> so now okay. uh, we talked a little bit about the railroad. You want to tell me the importance yeah. of the railroad um, coming to Paris? Yeah. I mean, originally Paris was on the route to um, of the transcontinental route, mm-hmm. like from New York to San Diego. And unfortunately, you know, the Temecula Gorge washed out. It's kind of south of Temecula. Mm. And, you know, after two or three washouts, the railroad actually abandoned the tracks because it caused too much damage to wow. the rail. You know, wow. had bridges and stuff over it, but they broke and trains got derailed. And so now the route is along the coast. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the yeah. trains that run along the coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Actually, the train would come to Paris, and then they would go around to Lake Gelsenor, and then they would go to Murrieta, and then it would go down to Temecula. And so they kept those lines open, you know, for quite a few years, and it finally closed down in the 1930s when Railroad Canyon, do you remember Railroad Canyon Lake or anything? I mean, it turned into Canyon Lake. Yeah. Well, the tracks there used to flood along the San Jacinto River, you know, south of Paris, Mm. and they had to abandon those Wow. At that time. Yeah, I faintly remember that. Yeah. That's amazing. So, I mean, then Paris actually still had a line that went to um, San Jacinto. You know, they would go through Paris and go in through Hammett and then to San Jacinto because there was a lot of farming there. And they would, you know, pick up their grain or potatoes or whatever. And now they've even kind of abandoned some of that. I mean, it still will go to Roma land, but it doesn't go further than that. True. Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, during the heyday of the potatoes, I mean, there was a one of the guys that I knew. I used to actually babysit his kids. It was, yeah, Mr. Higginson, John Higginson. And he said he used to almost sleep at the depot because there were so many trains going out with potatoes and Ooh. they would go all over the United States. They'd even get sent, you know, to the government for the soldiers. Oh, wow. And actually Paris, uh, some of the potatoes, because they grew mainly like um, white rose potatoes that are kind of thin skinned and whatnot, but they're really delicious. They're, they're, you know, if you mash them up and stuff, they're real fluffy and nice. Mm. But uh, they were sold to Laura Scudder's potato chips. Oh, wow. Wow. So, yeah, I, I, I actually, I was involved in the potatoes. I even cut potatoes to plant, like for seed. I worked in the potato shed. I, you know, I used to grade potatoes. You know, you'd have to throw out the big ones for bakers and the small ones would be the peewees. You know, it would go into a different slot on the grading machine. And, uh, yeah, I, okay. then I worked in the office, you know, when I was probably senior in high school, I worked in the office. So I kind of did a little bit of everything we could- when it came to potatoes. <laughs> I know Mike and I have some stories about potatoes, but we'll have to talk off the air to get, I know Mike is really interested. He's like on the edge of his seat. Like we got to talk about potatoes. 
Well, I mean, that was a huge industry. In yeah, Paris. yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, people came from out of town. You know, yeah. they would travel the crops, and mm-hmm. we had a, a summer crop, which was huge, mm. and a winter crop. So they had two crops, of potatoes. Mm. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until about the 70s, you know, the late 60s, the 70s, that water got so expensive and, you know, it just wasn't profitable enough to grow potatoes unless you had, I think, Agri Empire in San Jacinto still grows potatoes out here. Oh. You, few fields once in a while. Man, wow. I wish my parents would dedicate so much land just for farming crops and all. I wish yeah. they would, but yeah. we haven't done any, any of I mean, that yet, you so know, it's... all the far- big farmers are mostly passed away now. Mm, and, yeah. you know, they actually sold their lands, you know, because that's what kind of gave them your retirement. Mm-hmm. That's what a lot of farmers had to do. True. Yeah. True. And there is a lot of farming out in the Nuevo Lakeview area. Yeah. And of course, Menifee had mostly grain crops, you know, hay or grain, dry farming a lot out there. And uh, Paris was lucky. They had, like, electricity in 1912. And I think Menifee didn't get it until the 1940s or 50s even. Because even in their school, they had to use kerosene lamps. All the way up until 1940s. Wow. Even probably early 50s. But, yeah. Wow. Wow. That seems like it's really late. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Sun City came in in the 1960s, and of Mm. course, and I mean, it was probably the south end of uh, Menifee that didn't have as much utilities there until later, like mid-century almost. Isn't that crazy? Wow. We really take electricity for granted. You know, um, that's just, it's amazing to me. It blows my mind to see and hear the history and how different cities progressed. But really, Paris, it seems like Paris was ahead of their time. Really was. Yeah. I mean, they were, well, they had the depot. Yeah. Which was a treasure. And of course, the depot sent out all the produce that the farmers built, you know, had, you know, and they also moved granite. We had some granite quarries. Yeah. Oh. And I mean, even some of the granite built some of the big light posts and stuff around, even up to San Francisco. Wow. San Francisco. There's been a lot of money here in Paris. A lot of great markers were yeah. built with that granite. You know, it was a big business. Wow. That's amazing to hear the history behind all the different uh, produce, the different raw materials that came out mm-hmm. and how important the railroad tracks are to yeah. distribute that because now we distribute with trucks and big Mac trucks and right. things like that. But back then it was all about using the railroads yes. and trains and stuff yes. to send it out. Yeah. yeah. There was a big granite mine actually out by Cahalico road oh. in north of Paris. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, we helped a gentleman, Steve Stanley, and I helped a gentleman find out a lot of history about it. And wow. went to some of the people I went to school with and uh, <laughs> talked to them and they grew up out there. And uh, actually they were, they told me a lot of those big boulders out of that mine went down to the beach for a break oh, of, uh, yeah. along the coast, yeah. Yeah. which I didn't know until I wow. did that research. So it was wow. interesting. So yeah, Paris had a lot of good stuff. That's awesome. And when did the uh, Paris Valley Historical Museum, when was that founded and why is it so important? You're already touching on so many um, history aspects of it, but um, explain to me why the museum is so important. Well, we actually were founded in 1964. Mm. So we're an older museum and it was founded by some people that 
you know, there were pioneer families, the Canals, and who were part of the Trujillo family, actually. And, uh, you know, there were several people that, like I said, gathered up the artifacts and different things from the families that we still have today. And uh, we had a really good board, actually, Robert Warren Jr., who had his dad started the People's Store. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. in 1939. And his son actually was the mayor of Paris at the time. Oh. Yeah. And he was one of the ones that started the museum. And actually, Clarence Muse, if you remember who he was. Yes, he was, he was uh, uh, one yes. of the founding fathers, yes. right? That's the... Well, he actually was one of the first members of the Paris Valley Historical Museum. Oh, and uh, he yes. was an actor, African-American yes, actor, yes, right? Yes, he was. Yes. That's who yes. the Muse um, City of Paris named. The, the program after muse, yeah. and then there's a muse center there and yeah. so yeah. you know and then there was leonard kirkpatrick who actually was from menifee mm. is on our board and okay young who was like an oil distributor and mildred martin who was city clerk of paris in you know for about 20 years like in the 40s and 50s and uh she, she was from the dunsmore family and they were early settlers too and they lived right not too far from you, like along 11th Street up towards the hill. Oh, okay. On Whit Street. Or, oh, yeah. uh, they had a big orange grove and stuff there. Didn't the uh, Kirkpatricks have their first, uh, I guess you could say, store uh, before Stater Brothers came in? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it wasn't the Kirkpatrick that had the store. There was other Kirkpatricks in Paris, too. Mm. Oh, but okay. Leonard Kirkpatrick okay. Okay. was very prevalent. I mean, he was on the school board and different things because Menifee was part of the Paris Union High School District. And he was, you know, he helped put it together a lot of brochures and he had a lot of photos and stuff. Wow. And, uh, yeah, he was a great gentleman. And and Mr. Shockey, I don't know, did you ever know Ted Shockey? No. You know, he was like a really into Boy Scouts and stuff. I mean, mm. the first time I ever got to go to the beach, I was friends with one of their daughters. They had foster children. And, and uh, I got to go to the beach the oh. first time, and I was probably about 10 years old. Oh, <laughs> wow. well, With the Shockeys, and I mean, they were such a wonderful family. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And tell me, what is one of your best memories that you have growing up here in Paris? You already went through so many of your past knowledge that you have, but what's um really well, special to you? What was special to me because I my parents immigrated from Ireland actually, and they oh. came to Paris because they had an uncle, Uncle John Brassman, who was a carpenter in Paris, and he built a few of those little white houses that had the little wooden, you know siding on them and stuff. Mm. I think there still might be one or two left around, but, uh, you know, they came because it was, it was 1931 and that's when the depression was raging. And my mother actually was in Chicago and my dad, they grew up in Ireland together and were actually sweethearts and they separated and he came, he went to New Zealand actually and worked and, and came through San Francisco and met my mother in Chicago and they got married and came out to Paris. Wow. So they yeah. knew each other in Ireland? Ireland. Uh -huh. They wow. went to school together. Yeah. Oh, and then they separated somehow geographically. Yeah. And right. then my dad went to New Zealand. Yes. And my mother went to, you know, through New York and went to Chicago and was an Irish maid. Oh, my wow. gosh. For a, a Jewish family in, the, in Chicago. Wow. Yeah. 
Wow. So you're, and you're really sewn into the fabric of what Paris is. You know, so many of the founding families personally, and you have so many awesome stories. I love hearing that. And Katie, you brought two books. You want to tell me about this? Um, this is the images of America at Paris Valley. Uh, I wish we could show, maybe we'll take some, some pictures, but this is an actual book that you guys, um, published. Well, wow. The first one we did was when we had to move out of the depot because it actually got restored. Yes. Wow. You know, our museum had, you know, gone to meeting, you know, council meetings and met with people that were supportive of it. And at the time, the Orange Empire actually owned the depot because yes. it was given to them by uh, the Santa Fe Railroad mm. when the depot kind of not stopped shipping produce and stuff out of there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the, the Orange Empire had it and they were trying to raise money to restore it. But I think they had about $200,000. Wow. Which wasn't really enough. No, not at all. And so actually the city at the time, you know, they felt the depot was worth being saved and everything. They put a million and a half dollars in it. Oh, mm. man. Yeah. Yes, I'm glad they did. I know. Me too. And so it's, uh, you know, just we got our treasure back. Yeah, it's a full landmark now, which, you yeah, know, that's yeah. a whole historic uh, landmark. I mean, there's very little, there's not too many depots that have beauty that one does. That's and right. it's, it was put back. We had Dave Stewart at the time. He was helping the Orange Empire Railway Museum because his, he came to Paris because his mother, no, not his mother, his wife was a Paris. You know, was one of the jump did the parachutes. Mm. You know. Oh, parachutes! Yeah, we met Dave. Uh, Dave yeah. Stewart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And well, there was different Dave Stewart oh, in oh, Paris. Oh, <laughs> so our Dave Stewart, and I, I love the other one too because uh. he did just in Paris and stuff. Oh, that's the one. But, yes, yes. Yeah. You probably knew him, but Dave Stewart was actually he was the superintendent or in charge of the depot restoration, oh. and he actually graduated from MIT and worked for NASA. Wow! So oh. I mean, he was a perfect person. I mean, so every piece of that depot got done the right way. <laughs> wow, I'm sure, especially coming from MIT. Yeah, yeah, and he. You know, he's just a wonderful person. You know, he kind of doesn't like to get in the limelight too much, but True. we love him. And uh, So I'm looking at the uh, this book here. This is the second book. So Images of America at Paris Valley. I'll just uh, read a quick little synopsis here. So the brave pioneers who arrived throughout the late 1800s in covered wagons and or on trains to the desolate San Jacinto Plains, as it was called at the time, saw beauty in the picturesque mountain ranges and blue skies were beholden to their new home in what was to become Paris Valley. Ready to start their new lives, many came for health benefits provided by the dry climate. The Paris Valley had come a long way from its rural farming roots. It is now highly diversified and urbanized. Several exciting venues are part of Paris Valley today, including the Orange Empire Railway Museum, which is now the largest rail museum in the western United States, and the internationally renowned Skydive Paris. The Paris Valley Historical and Museum Association with author Katie Keyes 
a lifelong native of Paris Valley, has worked diligently to put together a book that shows the history of the Paris Valley in an educational and an adventurous way for our readers to enjoy. The Paris Valley Historical and Museum Association was established in 1964. It is a volunteer organization comprised of several very dedicated people who have a passion for their history. The Images of America series celebrates the history of neighborhoods, towns, and cities across the country. Using archival photographs, each title presents the distinctive stories from the past that shape the character of the community today. Arcadia is proud to play a part of the preservation of the local heritage, making history available to all. So now this book, Images of America, Paris Valley, is available at the museum. At the museum I for sale. They, yeah, actually, we would like them to purchase them at the museum because we get the whole amount if they purchase them online. We only get right. like a small tidbit. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. True, true. And then the second one is... uh, Well, the first one that we did is when they were redoing the depot. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was closed for like about four years Mm. or so. So, you know, when we told the city that we were thinking of doing a book, which I was thinking we would do it for the centennial. Well, Michael McDermott, who was the redevelopment agency, you know, the head of the redevelopment agency, he said, oh, do it right now and we can promote Paris with it. Yeah. And so uh, it was a also a, another project of love for the city, and several of us got together and put that together. Each one of us kind of did a section. I did the farming and the water because that's the things I knew. Well, I knew everything probably, but <laughs> but that was something I could get the information for easily. So mm-hmm. anyway. You know, it was a combination of a lot of passion and love for city city of Paris. That's awesome. Yeah, and do you want to tell me about this? Uh, so this is the first book, right? The yes. big book that. Uh, so so it was you kind of tell a me... coffee table book, we called it. <laughs> yeah. So you want to tell me about this one, Paris, a place to remember? Right. It goes, you know, from the very beginning with the origins of, you know, the Native Americans. And it tells about the Rimrock Reserve, which is one of the really a prized possession in Paris too, but the Mott family who bought the property from the Penny Ranch, which was actually well known in the archaeological circles, you know. Oh. Because they had a lot of pictographs and different things of the Native American ceremonies and stuff. And uh, actually, Audie and Charlie Mott bought that property in probably the late 50s. And, you know, they realized they had a treasure up there on their property and they donated several hundred acres to the University of California Reserve System. Yeah. And so, you know, now it's maintained by the University of California. That's mm-hmm. nice. And people can still go on a tour, but you have to go through the, the university to do that. But, you know, it's one of the probably the best reserve spots, you know, for that type of thing in the Western United States, too. That's awesome. So I'll read a little snippet. This is the introduction um, part uh, at the Paris, uh, a place to remember. This is out of the book here. While taking longtime residents on a trip down memory lane, the authors hope this book will introduce our new citizens to a valley filled with history. This is by no means a complete history of Paris. It is intended to trigger old memories and make other readers want to learn more about the valley. If this book is successful, it will make readers exclaim, I didn't know that. I already said that a lot of times. (laughs) I've said that sometimes too. (laughs) It is our hope that readers will be left with a deeper appreciation of our community. For Paris is a place to remember. 
and one with exceptional opportunities for future possibilities. And was this actually a collaboration with the city of Paris? Because I see their emblem here. Well, they paid for it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. amazing. So we had like a thousand copies made and they paid, nice. they paid the oh, bill. Oh, so we had to split the books with them. Oh, and yeah. And so we got okay. so many and they got so many. And so we it was a moneymaker for us. And each copy that we sold, we put in our endowment fund oh, oh there you go you know nice. build it up and good nice so this is a limited edition book much. yes yeah. only a thousand copies made yeah of that one absolutely so uh, what it says here in the book from city of paris it looks like discover the paris you never knew on the pages of this pictorial history the city will come alive through photographs and stories from the past an adventure of historic proportions awaits you that is amazing we actually sold all of our books that the city had given us but when michael mcdermott left the city of paris he found a couple of boxes hidden away and so he gave them to us so we still have a few copies left nice Nice. so both of these books can be purchased at the museum physically there here in paris Yes. I love that, Katie. And I'm glad that you brought these in that we'll take some pictures if you don't mind so we can share that on social media and talking about on social media. So find the Paris Valley Historical Museum on social media on Facebook under Paris Valley Historical Museum and on Instagram. They are uh, as Paris Depot. So P-E-R-R-I-S Depot, D-E-P-O-T. And also find them online at ParisValleyHistoricalMuseum.com. And if you get a chance, folks, go to the museum, get um, do a tour because we, we've done a few tours and yes. it's very educational. It's it nice is. and cool in there too, yeah, which we appreciate. Nice, yeah. <laughs> Saturday and Sunday we're open now from 12 to 4. Okay, good. good. And um, is there a fee to get in? How much no, is that? It's free, but we do accept donations. <laughs> yes, yes, because okay. you guys are a nonprofit organization. Yes, we are. Yeah, definitely go check it out. I've, I've done the tours a few times. I enjoyed it and um, it's awesome to feel the history and to actually see in person firsthand what um, the architecture and all the artifacts are like because you can see that you know when you look at it in pictures and stuff you don't get the the vibes from it what the kids nowadays <laughs> the vibes the feeling um, but you get to see how big the yeah. artifacts are and it wasn't very big that's the thing people back yeah. then were a little bit smaller a little shorter yeah. so the desks I remember seeing the desks for the kids were really small nowadays it'd be you know like twice three times as big and the shoes and stuff the dress people um what they wear the clothes back then so that was very interesting definitely go check yeah. it out plus yeah. all the artifacts that uh, they use for farming or whatnot yes all of that so yeah. that's original stuff that was found here yeah and we that have- was actually used by the old farmer from way back when yeah and we have stuff from the gold mine and we have also fred paris's family gave us quite a few things that belong to him and we have his anvil and his, um, oh, oh. You know, we have some tools from his blacksmith shop. Wow. wow. I do remember seeing yes. that, the anvil. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's nice. awesome. And there's a huge um, horse and carriage right in the center. Well, of the it's museum. actually, it's Fred Paris's survey wagon. Oh. One of them. And there's a good story about that, too, because it originally ended up in Knott's Berry Farm. Oh. Yeah. And so they actually gave it back to the museum. Wow. I didn't ever hear the story of how it got to Knott's Berry Farm, but I was happy they gave it back. Yeah, wow. of course. And sure. actually, you know, it wasn't in the the best shape because, you know, it was out in the hills and mm. rocky terrain and all that. Yep. 
and actually, thank goodness for the county of Riverside and Mary Nashley was the supervisor of our area at the time, and he was able to get us $25,000 to restore that. That's amazing. So, you know, we had it restored by a professional and it was, did a great job. Yeah, they did. That's awesome. Yeah. So definitely go check them out. Find them on social media. If you're in the area, even Inland Empire, you're into history, which is a beautiful thing to know about. Um, go check it out. Go to the museum and uh, be educated about the history of the area here. Yeah. Thank you so much, Katie. I appreciate you you. for having me. Yeah. So this is Katie Keyes. She is the president of the Paris Valley Historical Museum. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Mike and Phoebe show on Alternative Twist Radio. If you missed any past episodes, just search the Mike and Phoebe show or Alternative Twist Radio on any major podcast app. 